I think I'm on now. Daniel chapter number six is where we're going to be tonight. Daniel chapter number six. And this is a familiar passage of scripture, but one that uh, doesn't normally ring a bell when it's a Thanksgiving service. They usually don't turn here for that type of a service, but, uh, but tonight I think we'll learn some things um, if we have an open heart to what God has for us. Daniel chapter number six. I'm going to start just by reading verse number 10. That's kind of the key verse. And then we'll kind of go back and look at some of the previous verses as we go through the message tonight. But uh, Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 10 is really our text. And that is, uh, the Word of God says this, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and here it is, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Uh, Let's pray together and we'll get into uh, just a few quick thoughts tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, this service thus far. Thank you for uh, just the testimonies we've heard and the songs we've gotten to sing. Uh, Lord, so many things to be thankful for, and it's so healthy for us to express that gratitude. And uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would just help this, uh, these, this, this spirit of testimony, Lord, to continue on throughout this week and really throughout our lives, Lord, that we would uh, just continually be talking of who you are and what you have done in our life and being thankful and expressing that gratitude to you and to others. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless this time together tonight in your word. I pray you would uh, speak to our hearts and uh, help us, Lord, to learn some things and apply the truth. Uh, to each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this Thanksgiving, uh, whether you, I don't know if you knew this or not, uh, this was kind of news to me because it hasn't been publicized that much, at least that I could tell, but this coming Thanksgiving uh, marks 400 years since the very first Thanksgiving here on American soil. Um, Obviously, Thanksgiving's been going on for a long, long time, all the way uh, back into the Old Testament. People would give thanks to God, but, uh, but Thanksgiving as we know it here in America goes all the way back 400 years ago this year. You see, Thanksgiving was first celebrated in 1621, and this is 2021, so that's 400 years ago. Uh, It was first celebrated in 1621 by the Plymouth settlers in Massachusetts as a harvest feast thanking God for his care and provision. You see, 102 English pilgrims left Plymouth, England on September 6, 1620 for the New World seeking religious and civil freedom. After two months at sea, they landed in what is now called Massachusetts. After conducting a prayer service and signing the Mayflower Compact, which was the first document to introduce self-government to the New World, uh, which would be wonderful if we continued on with self-government, but you know. Uh, they, uh, so after they did that, they prepared for the harsh New England winter. Well, sadly, uh, they were unprepared for the brutal and unforgiving environment they faced. 49 of the 102 uh, settlers died before winter's end due to the starvation and disease that took place. 
the Pilgrim Hall Museum in Plymouth has a really interesting graphic illustrating the decimation of the early settlers, and I'd like to show you uh, the first one here is all the settlers that came over on, um, you know, on the Mayflower, and then uh, after a year, this is how, what it looked like. So just about half, almost exactly 50% of the people who came over were gone. So moms, dads, brothers, sisters, children uh, died during that first winter, during that first year here as they settled. However, by persevering in prayer and with the help of some Native Americans that were in the area, they planted crops and reaped a sufficient harvest to carry them through the second winter into the new world. And so then the grateful pilgrims then declared a three-day feast in 1621, 400 years ago this year, to thank God for his favor and to celebrate with and thank their Indian friends. So the very first Thanksgiving was done in spite of difficult circumstances. As they gathered together as a group of people, and no doubt there was heartache among the group. Uh, there were uh, children who weren't there anymore. Moms, again, dads who weren't there anymore who died the previous year. And yet they still, in spite of the difficulty and the difficult circumstances, still gather together to give thanks to God. Um, and so uh, the question is tonight... Can we give thanks when things aren't going our way? Uh, tonight we're going to take a brief look at Daniel's Thanksgiving and learn that it is entirely possible to give thanks in less than ideal situations. And so tonight as we consider Daniel's Thanksgiving, let's notice first of all uh, about Daniel's Thanksgiving. It was first of all very much communicated. Daniel's Thanksgiving was communicated in verse number 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And here's these three words that I want to focus in on uh, under this thought here, and that is, gave thanks. Notice here that the Bible says, and gave thanks. You see, not only was Daniel grateful and thankful, he took the extra step of expressing it, of communicating his gratitude. He gave thanks. In two days, we'll gather together with family and friends to celebrate what we call Thankfulness Day. Is that what it's called? No, it's called Thanksgiving. It insinuates that we need to not just simply be thankful, but we need to give thanks, Thanksgiving. Um, it's a day set aside in our calendars to give, to give thanks to God for His abundant blessings in our lives. Now, obviously, we're called in the Word of God to be thankful. Colossians 3.15 tells us to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. But more than that, we are also to express that gratitude. One day during the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus, ten men met him with a horrible disease called leprosy. You might remember it in Luke chapter number 17. Well, 
the Lord miraculously, with the spoken word, really healed all ten of them. And uh, it's a pretty miraculous story. And if you recall, how many of those were thankful that they were healed? One? I would say probably, trick question, all ten of them were probably thankful. Right? I think all ten of them went away going, praise the Lord, or, or man, this is great. I don't have leprosy. I can be with my family again. I can... I can go visit restaurants. I don't have to be socially distant anymore. No more wearing masks. All of it's over. That's enough to make anybody thankful, right? <laughs> uh, but the, these guys, I believe all 10 of them were thankful. But only one of them took the time to give thanks. See, that's the difference. The Bible records it this way in verse number 15 in that passage. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet. Here it is, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were not there uh, ten cleansed, but where are the nine? You see, only one communicated that gratitude. Um, That's better than this story, though where one communicated gratitude, uh, this story is not even as good. I read uh, regarding a ministerial student in Evansville, Illinois, who was part of a life-saving squad. And in 1860, a ship went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan near Evanston. And a man by the name of Edward Spencer waded again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers. And in the process of going into that cold water over and over again, his health was permanently damaged. Some years later at his funeral, it was sadly noted that not one of the people he rescued ever took the time to thank him. I imagine all 17 of them were thankful. But you see, they never took the time to express that, to communicate that gratitude. How many times do we recognize the goodness of God in our lives and don't express our thanks? How many times does someone do something to bless us and we fail to stop and express our gratitude? I'm sure we're all thankful when someone does something nice, but do we take the time, that extra time, to express it, to communicate that thankfulness? See, Daniel was grateful to God, but not only uh, was he grateful, he communicated it. So first we see that Daniel's thanksgiving was just that thanksgiving. He gave thanks. He communicated it. And so Daniel's thanksgiving was communicated. But then secondly, let's notice Daniel's thanksgiving was not based on circumstances. I believe this is probably the most powerful aspect of this this passage here. See, most of us, I I believe most of us are aware of the situation in Daniel chapter number 6, but just in case, I'll bring you up to speed. Daniel was the first of three vice presidents in Babylon. If you look in verse number 1 and 2, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts to them, and the king should have no damage. 
So King Darius had his little cabinet, presidential cabinet, and there were three main men just under King Darius, and Daniel was the first of the three vice presidents. So you really could say he was the second in command or second most powerful uh, person in the kingdom there. And so he was high up in political position. He had tremendous power and influence. But unfortunately, not everyone appreciated him. In fact, according to verse number three, let's look at this. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents. So out of the three, Daniel was kind of the fave. Everybody loved him. And princes. So out of all those 123 people, he was the favorite. He was preferred above all of them because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Well, verse number four, though, the presidents, the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They couldn't stand the fact that he was the teacher's pet, so to speak. I mean, Darius loved him and probably couldn't stop talking enough about Daniel. And they're like, would you stop talking about Daniel? We are so sick of how wonderful he is. We get it. But it got to the point where they thought, let's get rid of him. And so they actually concocted a conspiracy against Daniel, which would not only remove him from his position, but ultimately end his life. So verse 4, they sought occasion to find occasion, but uh, they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. In other words, he was blameless. Uh, obviously, we know he wasn't perfect. He was, sin- he was a sinner just like you and I, but as far as skeletons in the closet, uh, they opened all the closets and they couldn't find any. Um, then verse number five, then said these men, we're, we're not going to find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. The only way we're going to get him is if we make a law that says you're not allowed to do what he always does to his God. So verse six, these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto, the, unto him, King Darius live forever. And uh, just kind of trying to talk his language there. And so, verse 7, All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute, to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. And sadly, verse number 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree, not thinking about Daniel, not thinking about why they were doing this, just thought, it's pretty good rule. I can get behind this. Um, so this decree was signed, and it was set in stone. It was unchangeable. And so now notice verse number 10, though. Notice how it begins. Now it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. And it goes on down and it says, and gave thanks after knowing what this would probably mean for him. 
he decided still to give thanks. Now, most believers make it their practice, and it's a good practice. We do this in our family. Most believers make it their practice to give thanks before they eat their meal. Notice that Daniel here chose to give thanks before he became the meal. Uh, He was about to become the meal, and still he chose to give thanks in less than ideal circumstances. Now, why would he do this? Why would he still choose to give thanks in not great circumstances? Because he was giving thanks not based on circumstances that change. He was giving thanks based on his God who never does change. You see, if we only give thanks when the circumstances are good to us, then uh, it's not going to be a continual giving of thanks. It'll be giving thanks when we get a race, but not when we get a demotion. Not when we find out we have cancer. Not when things don't really work out the way we want them to. And yet Daniel here is a great example to us for giving thanks when things aren't going the way we want them to. Paul said that giving thanks is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Remember that? And he remember he, he wrote in that passage in Thessalonians, he said, in everything give thanks. But as we mature in Christ, we need to get to the point where we not only give thanks just in everything, but we also grow to the point where we're willing and able to give thanks for everything. And there's a difference. Yeah, it's easy to give thanks, or it's easier to give thanks in the bad things rather than for the bad things. You can play the glad game when you're going through difficult times and thinking about all the other things that are going well, but it takes a real mature Christian to say, Lord, I'm thankful for even the bad thing that I'm going through, the trial, the difficulty. And the verbiage that Paul uses to the uh, Ephesians, he says this, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things. And Paul wasn't just pointing his finger at all of us as he wrote that. Uh, Because he had to learn this too. And so if he was pointing at us, he had three fingers pointing back at him because he had to learn how to do this himself. He had to learn to be thankful for the things that he didn't really necessarily want in his life. He had to learn to get to that point. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. As uh, he realized that he was going to deal with this thorn in the flesh that he was going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. I mean, remember he asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn, and God said, nope. And God said, here, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, most gladly, therefore. Gladly. He's, he's kind of like, I'm glad then I have this thorn in my flesh. I'm glad that I have this difficulty in my life. I'm thankful for it. 
He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then verse number 10, therefore, I take pleasure in. Most of us take pleasure in, like, more money, uh, a vacation, uh, delicious food. But that's not what Paul continues on saying. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So Paul grew to the point in his Christian life where he actually looked at a trial and said, praise the Lord, I'm thankful for this. That's not usually our first natural response when we go into a trial. It's, oh, no, not another one. Man, when it rains, it pours. Man, this is the fifth one this year. It seems like it's piling on and on and on. And we, we kind of get into, we, we start to change from English to Wynese. And uh, we begin to uh, complain instead of acting like Paul here and saying, you know what? I'm going to take pleasure in this. Lord, thank you for another trial. Now, Paul learned to not only give thanks in everything, but also for everything. See, as we grow in the Lord, we should get to the place where we can thank God by faith for the trials and difficulties in our lives. How can we, though, give thanks for all things? By remembering that God is sovereign. Somebody mentioned the sovereignty of God in the testimonies tonight. Mrs. Duke did. God is sovereign, and He does allow things that aren't comfortable, that aren't what we would necessarily choose uh, to help us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, we can give thanks for all things by remembering that all things do indeed work together for good, even the things that we don't necessarily like, that we wouldn't consider good in the moment. So tonight I want to challenge you to give thanks to God for the situation you are in right now. Certainly we can be thankful for, thankful in the situation we're in. We can find other things that are going on elsewhere in our lives that we can be thankful for. You know, hey, at least I've got this. I mean, at least I've got that still. But again, growing to the point where, Lord, I'm thankful for even the trial that I'm in right now. And so I want to challenge you uh, to do that, to express gratitude to God for your trial, for your difficulty, your affliction, your suffering. Obviously, this is going to take some faith to do so, because most of us are trained to give thanks when something good happens to us. But here again, we see Daniel in chapter number six as he's put, getting on his knees, knowing that probably he's going to be put in a den of lions. And it could be, I mean, he didn't, we all know what ends up happening. We have the end of the story, but he didn't. He thought, I'm going to still do this anyway. I'm going to give thanks for the situation I'm in, and it's not going to be based on my circumstances. It's going to be based on God who never changes. So he gets on his knees and bows and gives thanks to God in spite of the difficult scenario he was in because it was based on the unchanging goodness of God. And so we see Daniel's thanksgiving. It was communicated it was not based on circumstances, but lastly tonight, let's notice that Daniel's thanksgiving was consistent. It was consistent in verse number 10. It says, now when 
Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks before his God. And then these the last four words here, as he did aforetime. In other words, Daniel, this was part of his character. This is who he was. This, is, this was just Daniel doing what Daniel does. All right, nothing changed. He was just being consistent. He was just being himself. Um, he gave thanks when things were going well, and he was faithful to give thanks when they weren't. Paul instructed the believers in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 in one of the shortest verses of the Bible. In fact, according to, I think, my Greek professor in Bible college, in Greek, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice evermore. Don't just rejoice again when you're on vacation and like, this is the life, you know. We've all been there. We've all had those moments in life where it's like, man, this is awesome. If we could just like keep this moment and extend it for the rest of my life, that would be wonderful. But we all know that that's not reality. And so... Paul says to the church there, rejoice evermore. Don't just rejoice when things are going your way. Rejoice and give thanks when things aren't. And we see Daniel being a true example of following that particular instruction. Paul also wrote to the church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he said, just in case you weren't listening the first time. And again, I say rejoice. Because some of us probably let that first one kind of rejoice the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and again, I say rejoice. Okay, I guess he's probably being serious here. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, not just when you're going well and you know everything's going hunky-dory, but when things are going less than hunky-dory. Again, Paul was the one who wrote that, and he was under house arrest in a prison-like situation, a little different than uh, what Bryce got released from this year. Um, a little less, uh, he wasn't getting paid to do it. <laughs> you were. And to the church at Colossae, Paul wrote this in uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer, and then he says, watch in the same with thanksgiving. In other words, just as you continue in prayer, you also need to continue in thanksgiving. Uh, when it's easy, when it's not, continue in thanksgiving. See, giving thanks for Daniel was a godly, good habit that he developed in his life. And notice here in verse 10, there was a time and a place that he made sure it happened. He went into his house, his windows being opened, his chamber toward Jerusalem, uh, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day. So there was a place and a time that he uh, made sure this happened in his life. It wasn't just like, yeah, that's a great message about giving thanks. I'm going to go and do it, maybe. He actually time activated it. He put it in his calendar. He put it in his schedule. It was something that he made an appointment that he never broke, even though he was potentially facing the den of lions, and we know ultimately he did go into the den of lions. Um, 
So I want to encourage us tonight to do what we need to do so that we are giving thanks in the good times as well as the bad times. And that, um, whether it's putting it in our actual, like, physical calendars, if we need to do that. Some of you are real techie, and you could put all kinds of reminders on your phones. You use them for other things. Why not use it to remind you to give thanks to God? Um, there is a pastor, and I've shared this with you several times as a church family. There's a pastor friend of mine who uh, said, um, and I don't know that I would necessarily go so far as this, but I do appreciate the wisdom here. He said, I believe it's a sin to not give thanks for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins every day. He said, I think it's a sin if you don't do that every day. Uh, I don't know that I would go that far to say that, but... I also appreciate the encouragement to be continually giving thanks for what Christ did for us on the cross. I don't think it's bad to give thanks every day. I think that would do us all really good to every day remember what Christ did for us on the cross and to give thanks and express it. Uh, so do what we need to do so that we are giving thanks in the good times as well as the bad times and that it will be said of us as it was said of Daniel that as he did aforetime, as she did aforetime, and that good times come, bad times come, doesn't matter. They're still giving thanks. They're still doing what they've always done. That's just who they are. That's just a, like we would say this about Daniel. That was just a Daniel thing. He did that. And, and, and you know what? The princes, the presidents, they knew that. They knew that, hey, that's the only way we're going to, snag him and so let's make a rule saying you can't do that and they know he's going to keep doing it even if they make a rule they knew how consistent he was are you consistent in expressing gratitude and uh not just on a day when we have a bunch of turkey and gravy i can't wait for the gravy part put on put gravy on everything you know except for pie that doesn't work on pie <laughs> Uh, but, man, I'm looking forward to that, and that's an easy day, though, to give thanks. But what about, for me, on January 1st, the anniversary when my mom died? Can I give thanks for that on that day? What about you for on a day when you hear some bad news regarding your health, bad news regarding your job? Bad news regarding the vaccine mandate. And talk about, you know, an interesting mandate that uh, somebody had to deal with. Daniel right here had to deal with an interesting mandate. You're not allowed to pray. You're not allowed to give thanks. He's like, you and your mandate, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, and it didn't let him get him down. He kept doing what he was supposed to do. Um, I know that uh, this country can be discouraging at times, the direction that we're going. Let's give thanks anyway. Um, I realize that maybe your family has some drama. Uh, Brother Chuck mentioned, you know, family. Uh, I think every one of us has family drama in some way, shape, or form. Give thanks anyway. Our church isn't perfect. Let's give thanks anyway. Uh, my health isn't great. Let's give thanks anyway. Uh, my, my finances aren't what I wish they were. Give thanks anyway. 
let's be not just thankful, let's express and communicate that gratitude. And so tonight we look at Daniel's thanksgiving. And uh, may all of us have a thanksgiving like Daniel had. Now, hopefully, not quite the same. I don't want the same circumstances. (laughs) I don't want to be facing a den of lions. No thanks. But regardless of what your situation is, I hope that you'll take the time to communicate it this week and throughout our lives. I hope that you'll be not just thankful and give thanks when the circumstances are good, but regardless of the circumstances, not based on the circumstances, but based on the unchanging character of God. And then may the Lord help us all to be consistent in our gratitude, where it's even known to others around us, like they just are just thankful people. They're constantly saying thank you. They're constantly expressing gratitude, and uh, it's known, most of all, to God. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, we do thank you for... Daniel and his tremendous example here. And Lord, so many important lessons for us to learn and apply in our own lives as we consider Thanksgiving. And um, obviously this time of year, that does come up and it is in our minds. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be consistent in our gratitude and expressing it and communicating it. And help us, Lord, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of Uh, What we're going through, help us to give thanks, not just in everything, but also for everything. Help us to uh, mature to that point in our Christian life where we can look at the things that are less than ideal and say, Lord, thank you for them. Thank you for the trials. Lord, I do want to thank you for the difficult times that I've had in my life because I know you've used them to shape me and to uh, prune some things from me and to Uh, conform me into the image of Christ. Lord, I recognize that looking back, but help me to have the faith to thank you while I'm going through those things. And Lord, as I pray for myself, I pray for our church family to do the same. And Lord, we just want to pause tonight and say thank you for what you did for us to provide a way of salvation. Uh, Lord, we were not worthy of it, but Lord, we thank you that you sent your son in the form of a little humble baby there in Bethlehem's manger. Thank you that he lived a perfect and sinless life and then uh, was falsely accused and nailed to an old rugged cross, ultimately to become my substitute. Lord, it should have been me on that cross. I'm the one that should have suffered and died and dealt with the punishment that you did, but... Lord, we're grateful that you were willing to go through all of that. Lord, thank you that three days later, up from the grave, you arose to offer us eternal life. Lord, thank you for the way you orchestrated in each of our individual lives to bring us to the moment of salvation. And Lord, the different people that you used and the different uh, aspects of our lives to bring us to that point. Thank you um, that... Lord, you saved us. And then, Lord, since then, thank you for the growth that's taken place and the things that we've learned. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for a good local church family to be a part of. Thank you for Christian brothers and sisters that will encourage and pray and and help and be there. Thank you, Lord, for 
uh, our jobs and our health. And God, we just praise you for who you are most of all. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help us now to go and live and to apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Uh,